Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me as well. You can check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. We write a lot more than we podcast, so be sure to check it out. It's game week. I'm pumping out three or four or five stories a day, uh, helping helping our readers get prepared for the game, telling the stories of fall camp and of this team. If you missed our prediction special or some of our takeaways from fall camp, you can check those out uh, in our podcast page. They ran earlier this week. We've also talked recently about top freshmen, some of the key position battles, and other reactions from certain fall camp storylines. Anyway, this episode is our first preview episode of the season. We'll be looking at Michigan's matchup against Middle Tennessee, uh, Middle Tennessee State. I think they technically took away the state. Anyway, uh, so we're going to look at a few things that we're watching beyond the result. That will be a regular feature in some of these games that are maybe uh, expected to be more lopsided. Michigan's a 33.5-point favorite. Michigan should win this game. If they don't win this game... A lot of things, yeah, that, that'd be uh, be an interesting situation. So anyway, we're going to look at about five things to watch for this game, and then our, our good friend on Twitter sent us our over-unders, and so we'll go over those, and then we'll get out of here and get back to writing. So Steve, uh, let's let's do five things to watch for this game. Obviously the big one, and this was the biggest thing in the spring game to watch, the biggest thing in the open practice to watch, it's it's going to be something that we're keeping an eye on probably until maybe October and they start if they if they beat a Penn State or Notre Dame type team but that new offense Michigan is ditching huddles they are speeding things up time of possession was a staple for the Wolverines for most of Harbaugh's tenure no longer what they're looking for they're looking for plays of 20 yards or more that's the stat that they want to do successful in and you know they're they're airing it out they're going to go four wide with wide receivers. It's going to be more of a pro spread. I don't think it's going to be a full spread. I, I think that's a misconception. But they are they are opening things up. Uh, I mean, do you have any inkling for how much they're going to unveil in this game? Because they could probably win this game playing the exact same offense that they did a year ago. But obviously, they want to they want to get some game reps for some of these schemes and plays that they're practicing. And they also probably, I feel like they probably want to show the fans things are different, you know, to go with the narrative that Josh Gaddis has brought the speed and space. Uh, plus you got a lot of playmakers you want to get the ball to. I mean, I, what do you, how much of the new offense do you expect to see in this game, knowing that it's going to be a little lopsided? Well, it is a new scheme. So I, I kind of think they're going to come out firing a little bit. Just because, I mean, these guys have been practicing, 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 but no real live game reps at this point. So I think you got to kind of come out in a serious mode. Uh, I mean, you don't maybe not have to open up the whole playbook, but I don't think they're going to withhold a ton right. of stuff either. So, you know, and the other thing you got to remember too is not when it's not throwing when you're not throwing the ball, you're running the ball, and they have little to no experience at the running back position this season. So I think that's one. You know, I, I people are clamoring for them to throw the ball and whip it around. All these, uh, you know, great receivers that they have this season, but I, I really, I think the onus is going to be on, you know, getting the ball to the running backs, seeing if there may be a guy you put a guy in a, a legit game situation, see if one of these three guys can kind of take a stranglehold on that position, or you know, or run away mm-hmm. with it a little bit, or you know, we'll just kind of get a better showcase for what these guys, you know, the Charbonnet Turner. 
Wilson, like what these guys are made of when they have a legitimate opportunity. So that's kind of what I'm looking for from the offense is, is how well they're going to be able to run the ball, who kind of stands out at running back. And also just kind of seeing what kind of rhythm Patterson can get into. And we talked earlier this week about him being sort of a rhythm guy. I want to see, you know, if, if, and again, this is middle Tennessee or middle Tennessee, whatever you want to call them, you know, but you still got, we, I think, I still think we'll be able to glean a decent amount out of this game as far as, you know, being able to see how, how well this offense suits his abilities and, and what kind of plays he can make in a system that I think is, is definitely more designed for him to succeed in. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's interesting with the running backs too because you do that's the position group you want to develop at the same time and and I've I've pride with Josh Gaddis about this like how do you how do you keep everyone happy? I mean, you probably are going to probably splash the ball around. You're probably going to try to get 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 10 guys to have some catches. Uh certainly you know, if, if the game goes, you know, they're up four touchdowns at halftime, then it could be even more, and you could just start playing a lot of your backups. But, yeah, I think, you know, fans have asked how different will it really look, and I do think there is. I, I, I don't think you'll see any similarities until Michigan has to show similar. Like, if, if they're playing Wisconsin and, they have, and they're up 10 in the fourth quarter and the wind's bustling around, do they kind of look a little bit more like last season? It's possible. I think I think Saturday is going to look completely different. I, I think they're going to want to put on a show. Frankly, I mean, I think you you said it too. It's they they have a they have a point that they want to prove, and they have an identity that they're trying to establish. And I, I actually we can switch over to defense in a, in a moment. But I remember Don Brown went on a podcast this summer, and he talked about how if you have an identity that you want to establish, you don't shy away from it. You know, you if you want to be an aggressive defense, you don't start backpedaling as soon as someone scores. You really just hammer it home, and that's what you live and die with. So, if they if they want the identity of speed and being sp- spread out, uh, that's what they're going to do. Any anything else uh, you're looking for from from the offense? I mean, it's our first look at Jalen Mayfield too at on the right at the right tackle spot. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm looking to see how he performs. Um, I agree that it's like you. There's no need for them to hold back here. I'm honestly, because Army's ranked, you know, there are only a few games this season that aren't what I would consider legitimate challenges, right? I mean, this is a little bit different than their schedule in the past, I feel like. I mean, you have a couple bottom feeders in conference. They'll play Rutgers in Illinois. They should win those games running away. But by and large, week to week, this is a more challenging schedule, in my opinion. So you don't really have two or three cupcakes in a row, you know, granted, I know they, yeah, you don't have them in a row. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't think they can afford to hold too much back because you have a ranked opponent coming in next weekend. So, you know, say what you want about army or whatever, but they are ranked that they should provide a legitimate challenge. So, you know, I think you, you, you can't really hold back at all. I think you got to go for it, show everybody what you got, show yourselves what you got and um, open things up a little bit. You mentioned Jalen Mayfield, and there are, there are going to be a lot of new starters, uh, more so on defense than on offense. On on offense, it's really just running back and, and right tackle. But on defense, you're going to have new defensive end starters, linebackers, new safety. I mean, a new 
is in relative terms. Brad Hawkins and Jameric Woods have played plenty. New cornerback at Vincent Gray. Of those positions, and a couple of them, I'd say running back and linebacker, they don't necessarily have a definitive one or two starters ahead of everybody else. I mean, which which ones are you keeping the eye on the most if, if you're Michigan's coaches, and, and which ones are you looking at and, and maybe trying to see who brings it from State Street to Main Street because every single team in at Michigan, at anywhere, they have guys who can practice really well, who just deliver in practice settings. And then in the games, there are other players who step up more than them. And, and certainly uh, no need to get personal or name names, but you can go through the last few years with Michigan, and there are players who are like that, that the coaches – you know, see all this stuff in practice, and then in games it just never clicks. I guess what position groups are you, if you were a Michigan coach, are you looking the most sharply at to see what what these new starters look like and what do they bring to the table? Uh, I'll go with the defensive line. You know, we've I've talked a lot about how I think the on the edge, I think that they're going to be in better spot than people realize, and then the interior, I think ever it's kind of a universal belief that you know there's a lot of questions there. I know Carlo Kemp's one guy we've heard a lot about. I'm interested to see how the two true freshmen do in Hinton and Smith. I suspect that both of them will play on Saturday. You know, I'm interested to see if either of those guys kind of flash something because I'm a big believer in if your first experience on the field is a positive one, I really think it can be a huge confidence builder for a player going forward. Hmm. You know, if your first taste of action is – you know, positive. If we see a couple big plays from a guy like Hinton, I think he's talented enough to, to it's the idea where like, you know, okay, I can do this. I can do this, you know, and you, you've shown yourself you're capable of doing it. I think guys build off of that. I think it really breeds a lot of confidence, which I think turns into better play, you know, for these young guys who they're going to need more and more throughout the, you know, especially the latter half of the season. You know, I think a, a good showing in game one, regardless of opponent, you know, can go a long way in maybe building some early season confidence. So I'm going to go out with the defensive line just because, I, again, I think that they are they're incredibly talented, especially on the edge. But new starters across the board pretty much, and you are replacing a lot of uh, – a few good players, you know, that left. So interested to see what they do up front. Yeah, yeah I think I think that would be my second option is, is the pass rush is just – you know, they, they have a new defensive line coach. I, I know Don Brown is still kind of coaching the system overall, but the defensive line was a bit of a letdown last season, in, in my opinion. You know, given that you had two uh, NFL draft picks, guys, guys who could potentially start in the NFL in the next year or two in Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich, uh, given that you had, you know, we talked in, in one of our recent podcasts about. Yeah, Lawrence Marshall and Brian Monet weren't necessarily going to the NFL, but they they were experienced and they were talented. It kind of it you know it they let them down in a few games. Ohio State was obviously the big one, but I felt like there were other games too. And Notre Dame stood out, and and even some of the games that Michigan ended up winning, it just felt like that defensive line never saw what it could do, especially from the interior. So so in addition, you know, I, I mentioned the new. The new newcomers, new starters, new two deep members. I'm just curious to see what this line looks like as a whole because if you look at Michigan's last six or seven good teams, date you know the best teams that they've had since 2000, they've all had 
other than maybe last year, they've all had really good defensive lines. And I'd say last year had pretty good defensive line play too. But that is like the one positional constant. Michigan's been successful without a elite quarterback. They've been successful without an elite running back. You know, you could say argue 2016 they didn't have an elite offensive line. And and there's other positions where it's not it's not you're not necessarily going to be perfect at everything in a given year. But it's you'd have to go back far for in my opinion, last time they were truly good without an elite defensive line. And so does that group have it? You know, there's a lot of buzz about Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay, Mike Dana, Carlo Kemp. I think those are the four the big four that have been that got a lot of fall camp buzz. But yeah, what does it look like? You know, because they're going up against a Middle Tennessee offensive line that is losing three starters, losing their three best starters, and will have a lot of question marks. You know, they have way they they the Blue Raiders as a whole lost eleven starters, and I, I think the offensive line is probably the one group that's in the worst shape from the outsider perspective. I'm not seeing practices. I'm not talking to their coaches, but uh, that'd be the one one area. And I think you bring up a good point. If Aiden Hutchinson goes out there, now he's had experience, but if he has, if he starts the season with like a two sack game, you know, what's, what sort of tone and what sort of confidence does that set for the rest of the season? So that's something I'm keeping an eye on for sure. Yeah. I mean, by the way, Brian Monet is actually on the active roster for the Seattle Seahawks still. So he did make it. He is it on the 53 yeah, as man. Far as I just took, uh, check the Seahawks roster and he's still on there. So, okay. um, so, you know, he was an undrafted free agent coming off the uh, the draft in April. So props to him for keeping it going. I sus- I had a feeling he'd get a shot, you know, just whether he capitalized on it or not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Defensively, is going to be fun. Um, you know, the linebackers, too. I want to see what Devin Gill looks like to begin the season. He's another guy that I'm going to be kind of keeping an eye on. Obviously, Vince Gray. I think he's one that everyone's going to be watching, see if they – Middle Tennessee State tries to pick on him and, and see how he responds. You know, so again, he's another guy, much like those guys in the interior. You know, if his first taste of action on Saturday is positive, then I think it's it could be a springboard. You know, if the guy's got the talent, you know, so he's another one in that in, in that regard. And we would expect them to to try to pick on him and not Lavert Hill. So, you know, right? I mean, so <laughs> yeah. So it's well, the one thing is that Middle Tennessee is in a weird spot because they. They were a, very much a passing team last year. They threw for over thirty six hundred yards. You know they had they had Brent Stockstill, Rick Stockstill's son. Uh, he was a fourth year starter. Ended up in the top twenty five in NCAA history in touchdown passes in his career with one hundred six. He's gone. They and their their new quarterback, who I believe will be Asher O'Hara. They're kind of keeping that close to the vest, but he's run first. He's not a big time thrower. And they lost four of their top six pass catchers. And so, uh, and Ty Lee's the only receiver that did much of anything last year. And so does does Michigan put Lavert Hill on Ty Lee and just, because I, I, I could see it being a Burbridge, Aaron Burbridge, Jordan Lewis type game where uh, Michigan State, their only form of offense was going to be throwing Connor Cook to Aaron Burbridge. And even though Jordan Lewis, um, was covering him quite well. They just kept doing it. They kept doing it and doing it. And so the two had like 20 passes. And I think Lewis had eight pass breakups and Burbridge had 12 catches or something. It was something, some ridiculous like strength versus strength game. So I could see them targeting 
Ty Lee, no matter who's covering him, and just taking their chances because they don't have a lot of other guys that are established that they can throw to. But yeah, I, I agree. I think the secondary, you know, Middle Tennessee isn't, we talked about this earlier this month, they're not going to pass as well as an Iowa or as a as well as a Notre Dame or as well as a Penn State. But I think they're going to keep trying to throw. I mean, their offensive coordinator is best known for, you know, running that air raid a- attack uh, when he was at Cal with Jared Goff. And before that, he was passing 45 times a game at Louisiana Tech. So I think they're going to throw. It's just a matter of how it, Michigan can shut it down early if, if you know, Vincent Gray really is worthy of all this buzz. I, I say worthy of all this buzz. If he really is going to be a quick hit in games because we haven't seen him play game action, you know, legitimate game action yet. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, and then I, I think much the same as the young guys up front, I think let's see what Daxon Hill does too in the defensive backfield. I, I have to assume he'll see some snaps. So, um you know, I, yeah, I agree with the secondary. I mean, really, I mean, they are. They're replacing it enough on the defensive side of the ball where I, I think more of my interest is defensively despite the new scheme offensively because I suspect that the new scheme will succeed. But, you know, so, so yeah, all three levels. I mean, there's just there's a little bit of intrigue at each spot. You know, as you talk about, like I said, Devin Gill, going to be watching to see where he's improved. Does does Cameron McGrone or, or a guy like Jordan Anthony – or a Michael Barrett. I mean, do they see significant snaps? So, um, you know, snap breakdown, I guess, or, or how they dispose or disperse snaps, I think is going to be really interesting. Again, this is an opponent that Michigan should dominate and win easily, but still I'm interested to see who goes in when, how heavy their rotations are, because I get the sense that despite the losses, that they feel like they're deeper than they have been defensively, at least in the back seven. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it'll be interesting to kind of see how they go about it, where that goes. So, yeah, I was just going to ask, this is our last, our, our final thing that we're watching for, is how do you integrate the bench? And so if you were Harbaugh or you were Gaddis or Brown, how much do you value winning by a lot and maybe sending that that positive message versus getting everybody to play? You know, versus, you know, quarterback might be its own specific discussion, but, like, when do you put Dylan McCaffrey in? When do you put Joe Milton in? And if you're in the safety, I mean, Daxton Hill, it sounds like he's probably going to rotate in anyways, but at what point do you send someone like uh, David Ajabo and Gabe Newberg in? At what point do you send uh, Julius Welshoff in or or some, some other players who maybe aren't in the too deep? but maybe are on the rise. I mean, what what would your approach be if you were the coach? Because I think, I think non-conference, you know, week one, you probably do want to have an emphatic message. But you're, as you mentioned, you're not going to get a ton of these games that are, quote unquote, total laughers. Now watch the, you know, the Blue Raiders might might have something up their sleeve, but it's this is one of the easiest games of the season. And I think I think last year, I think Michigan almost wished they had played some of their reserves more maybe I'm wrong on that but it's I think this is a game where you sec, second half as soon as you get up three touchdowns you start working in the backups um you know just because again nobody comes to Michigan to redshirt nobody commits to Michigan and says I can't wait to redshirt no they all want to play they understand that 
they're not necessarily going to play a lot, but this is one game where they probably should. I mean, history says that they're going to wait longer than what people want them to, but I do agree. Mm -hmm. I think if they're as deep as they say they are, I think you may see a more spread out dispersion of their snap counts. I mean, just again, Mm -hmm. we're going off what they say, right? I mean, it's hard. You don't know how they're going to handle it, what they're going to do. But, you know, normally it's been, I feel like they've left their first string in, especially defensively, uh, a lot longer than maybe what I think they should. But, you know, again, I think just if they're as deep as they say they are, then maybe we'll see them a little bit earlier than we would. I don't know about three touchdowns. I, I think, I mean, you have to be comfortable with the performance of your t- of your first team, you know, before you throw anybody out there, no matter how much you're up by. I mean, they could be, they could be right. dominating the game, but, you know, the coaching staff may not be satisfied with – how on is playing or how Patterson is playing. You know what I mean? Like it's just, we don't, that's the part that we never, we'll never really know. Uh, so it's kind of up. Well, it's obviously it's up to them, but it's, it's kind of at their discretion as far as how satisfied they are. But you know, there are some young guys. I think they want to get some looks and, and see how they play in a, in a big game type scenario or a real game type scenario. So I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a wider, spectrum of players in this game than maybe what we've been accustomed to especially you know we talked like they seem to really really love this freshman class and so I, i'd be very surprised if you didn't see those 12 guys that harbaugh talked about in his press conference uh if you didn't see all 12 of those guys on the field at some point you know whether that and we'll see how early it is but i, I suspect we'll see all of them yeah, I think so. I was just re-looking at some of the stories I've written this month. And August 3rd, you know, I had a story about how how the players, Ben Bredesen, Klee Hudson, uh, they felt this class was focused, the 2019 class, more focused than other classes. And if you factor in that it's also a top 10 class, you can see where they could find the field early. Let's do some over-unders. Uh, we can run through these pretty quickly. Um, these come from, of course, Neil on Twitter. I think he's via Azul. On, on our message board, Beige Galaga is his Twitter handle. Um, I don't. He just keeps bringing them. And you know what? He brings good ones because last year I got 45% of them right and you got 40, 49% of them right. So we're, neither of us are – and we're both okay. It's about a 50-50 shot. But uh, <laughs> anyway, number one, Michigan will pass on 49.5% of first down plays. I'm going to go under. I think – Again, if they're up by three touchdowns most of the game, I know I think they'll pass a lot. I don't know about on first down. Uh, and as you mentioned, they might be trying to work in those running backs. Definitely under. I feel pretty confident in the under on that one. Over under 14.5 completions for Patterson. I'm going to take the over. I think I think there's a part of them that wants him to have some of those stats and this is definitely a stat padding type of game. You know, I think I think there is I think if he throws for around 200 yards, I think the the game manager label comes back out. I could see them wanting to give him a big game. I mean, I have to go over with that as well. I I think yeah. I agree. The interesting one, nine and a half carries for True Wilson. This is I'm going to go yeah, I'm going to go under. I don't really know. Well, this would be a game where they want to uh I'll I'll go over. I'll go over. I I don't know if he'll lead the team in carries, but I assume they'll carry the ball at least 40 times in this game. 
I'll say under, but I think this is one that'll be answered probably on the first drive of the game, right? I mean, really, it's whoever they put out there to begin the game may dictate who is, right. who wins. If you know if it's over or under on that one, so that was a random one, but that was yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, this one I think is an easy over for both of us. Sixty nine and a half yards for Christian Turner and Zach Charbonnet. Over. Yeah, I'm taking the over on that one. Uh, seven and a half catches for Donovan Peoples Jones, Nico Collins, and Tariq Black combined. Yeah, I over over on that one too. Um, I mean, they only have so many snaps, so I guess that's the logic. Is maybe they're not going to be over on everything, but those are five players that we just listed. I think, you know, they want those guys to be ready to go. You know, for Big Ten play, you only get two seat two games before Big Ten play starts, and so uh, this is a game where you know if Tariq Black wants to get back to get fully game speed, and Donovan Peoples Jones had the off-season groin injury. I mean, this is this is a chance where you see what they can do, and you also reward them for long off-seasons of, of hard work. Uh, next one, three-and-a-half catches for Giles Jackson and Mike Sainer still. I think I'm going to go under on this one. I think I'm still not sure how Josh Gaddis, how much he'll rotate the receivers. Joe Moorhead's school of thought suggests not much. Alabama's school of thought suggests maybe a little bit more. But I, without having seen Jackson play in a college uniform and without really having seen much of Sainra still, uh, I could see that being under. I'd, I'm under too, honestly. 52 and a half yards. Wow, what a random number. For Michigan's longest play. I think they have one that's longer than that. I agree. That. Does that count special teams too? I guess it's got to, right? Uh. I, no, I either don't way, know. whatever. If, <laughs> either just, if it if it yeah. even if it doesn't, I'm still gonna go over. Yeah. Does Dylan McCaffrey enter the game with six minutes left in the third quarter sooner or later? I'm gonna say sooner than five minutes left in the third. I'll say later. Okay. All right. Well, finally, we disagree, so there can be some separation. Um. Any reason? I mean, because I know Harbaugh's talked about they want to play McCaffrey well, every game. Any yeah, reason? Yeah, no, now that I think, because I guess if we're looking at it from a, that McCaffrey relieves Patterson for good is kind of the way I was going about oh. it. But I actually think mm-hmm. they may just throw him in there in some random snap in the first half or something maybe too. So I'm going to go back. Yeah. I mean, if Shea, has a, if Shea has a 20-yard scramble, do you not just throw McCaffrey in there especially for a snap to let yeah, Shea catch his breath? No huddle yeah. type stuff. So yeah, I can. I can, I'll have right. to. I'd have to go back and say before then. Okay, two and a half sacks by defensive ends, not defensive tackles, just defensive ends. I'm gonna say, eh, let's 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 have some fun. I'll say over. It's a lot of sacks, but at the same time, I think it's most of Michigan sacks are gonna come from the defensive end. And I just do not think the Blue Raiders have a good offensive line. Does Uche count as a linebacker or a defensive end? I am inclined to count him. Okay. Uh, I'll still say under just for the heck of it. I think they'll try to just drop okay. back, throw the ball. They'll be one of those quick pass type deals and, and try to keep them from – that's how they'll try to neutralize Michigan's pass rushes by just getting the ball out as quick as they can. Mm-hmm. Well, and they do, to your credit or to your point, they do have a lot of um, 
they don't have a lot of receivers returning, but they have a lot of running back type players who can catch the ball out of the backfield. And I could see them doing a lot of those kind of plays and just, you know, even if it's just four yards at a time, just throwing it to Brad Anderson or throwing it to Zach Dobson, these these running backs who are proficient in the receiving game. Anyway, three and a half tackles for loss for Khalil Hudson and Josh Ross. I'm going to say under. That's a lot of tackles for loss to pin on two specific players, especially you know if they're going to try to rotate at linebacker, if they're going to try to get the backups in. I just don't see three and a half coming from Each those two. Each or total? Total. Over. Okay. Uh, 0. 0.5 interceptions by the secondary, not including Lavert Hill. So everyone else in the secondary, do they get a pick? Ooh. I say yeah. I say yeah. I'll say no. Okay. 104.5 rushing yards allowed by the defense. I have no over. idea. I say, um, I'll say over. I think it'll be a junk. It'll be a junk time type deal, though. That's the catch. That's that's a good point. Yeah, they they're you know Middle Tennessee. They're used to. They're not. They're no stranger to playing these types of games. They know that they're. I mean, their coach was even on the record saying, the main benefit to playing a team like Michigan is one point six million. Uh, so, one of the funnier quotes from this week. So they, I think they're going to keep trying to work on stuff. You know, they're, they're not. They know that they're not going for an upset necessarily. I mean, they won't say no to it, but for them, it's it's a chance to work on things against the best defense. And you're right. If Michigan's up 28, do they not have a, a drive that includes 60 yards rushing? So yeah, I'll say over. Daxton Hill. Oh, this is an easy one. Daxton Hill enters for the first time with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Sooner or later, I think it's much sooner. Yeah. I think. I could see him entering Agreed. in the first quarter. Sooner, much sooner. Now, I will say, Neil, to it, you know, in his defense, he sent this before we got the latest quotes from Jim Harbaugh, Josh Ross, and uh, Chris Partridge about Daxton Hill. I had the story yesterday. Sounds like he's starting to live up to the to the heavy heavy hype. You know, the, f- the first couple weeks of the fall camp, he was in the Bridge Scholars Program, which helps which involves a little bit of extra academic work to ease the transition to Michigan. So he was missing some practice time. It sounds like now he is uh, kind of like Charbonnet coming on like a freight train. Yeah, I mean, I that's before for sure. I think that's the easiest yeah. one. Yeah. All right, last one. Well, we have our score prediction too, but last one. One and a half different Michigan kickers attempt a point after touchdown or field goal. So do they do they keep the battle going? I'm going to say over. I think even if it's just to, well, Partridge doesn't sound like he's anywhere close to a decision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there could be, he could be being deceitful there, but I, it didn't sound like he's ready to end this conversation. And he was asked, like, at what point do you tell the kickers that they're the starter or that they're not? He said, I don't know. Maybe we'll just play both. So I think I think he plays both. I think they keep rotating, especially in in a game like this where you don't think you don't think that they're going to necessarily need a nail-biting field goal. You just keep rotating them until until you need to see who see who does well when they're asked to do well. I'll take him at his word, so I'll say over as well. Yeah. Um anyway, score prediction I'm going to go 48 to 17. I think Michigan will put up a lot of points. 
I think 17, I know that sounds kind of high. I think that's something Michigan fans might, and I don't think the defense is going to struggle, but the pace of play. Teams are going to have more drives against the Wolverines now, and and the odds that there's, you know, Ty Lee, Reed Blankenship are good returners. Um, you know, they do have a bevy of running backs. I could see a couple junk touchdowns from Middle Tennessee, and and so I'm going to say 48-17. Steve, what say you? Uh, I mean, I don't know, 52 to 13. Okay. All right, well, there you go. That's our predictions. Those were our over-unders. You also heard our things to watch other than the results. Obviously, we're both predicting pretty sizable Michigan victories. Um, So we shall see what happens. And we'll have the new format, by the way, for listeners. It's We're going to try to do it Sunday. If it's not Sunday, it'll be Monday, kind of a game review. And then Thursday will be very much like this, where it's a game preview. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Feel free to rate us. Feel free to subscribe. Uh, definitely pass on nice compliments on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts if you if you have nice things to say. Uh, check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. We'll see you next time.